Hey, what's up, everyone? You are on the Eden Podcast, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope that the next 30 minutes will help you to become the person that God always dreamed you could be. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? I want to welcome all of you who are joining us today for our Church at Home experience. We are so, so grateful to have you. Would you do me a favor as we get started today? I want you to write in the comment section wherever you're viewing this. I want to know who we're working with this morning. But wherever you're viewing from, we are so, so excited that you're here with us today. If you're part of our Eden Church family, you know that we've got mucho love for you. If you're not a Spanish speaker, that just means we've got a lot, a lot of love for you. We're grateful that you're here today. Your faithfulness to stay engaged over the last several weeks has meant a great deal to our team, and uh, we're excited to be with you again today. Now, if you're new with us to our Church at Home experience, we want you to know that we are especially grateful that you're with us this morning. And our prayer for you is that somewhere along the next 30 minutes as we have our con- this conversation, that value would be added to your life, that you would begin to see more of God working all around you. And my hope is that maybe your faith would be encouraged even just a little bit. My name is Daniel. I'm the lead pastor here at Eden Church. And we're all about helping people become all that God dreamed they could be. Now, I'm really excited about today because today we are launching a brand new series called Rise Up. And if you've been with us for any amount of time, you know that we do these things called series. It's basically one talk that we spread out over several weeks and we focus on a topic or a passage or a theme that we get from Scripture and we apply it to our everyday lives And today, we are going to be talking about something that I think is really relevant for us because as we have looked at our lives over the past several weeks and the past several months, so much of what we have been focusing on is how to manage the moment that we're in. Because you know, just like I know, that we are living in some really unprecedented times, right? We're living in the middle of multiple crises that we're going through. And for us, for several weeks, as we were talking about faith and how to navigate what our culture is going through, the focus for us was just to kind of help all of us get some footing in the midst of so much chaos, so much of a chaotic time. But today, we're going to change the mindset just a little bit. We're going to pivot as we start this new series called Rise Up, and we want to focus on reclaiming some of what we have lost along the way. When I was growing up, I wouldn't say that I was a uniquely gifted creative But there were moments of genius in my childhood where I attempted to do something creative. And one time in eighth grade, I didn't have enough money to buy a new pair of shoes, but I had an old pair of shoes that I absolutely loved. And so I I embarked on a DIY uh, project. And at the time, they didn't have YouTube to tell you how to dip your shoes and make them look cool. So instead of buying a new pair of shoes, what I did is I went to Home Depot with my dad and I bought two cans of spray paint. And I thought, I'm going to spray paint my shoes. They're going to look amazing. It's going to be awesome. My friends are going to think I got this special edition of these Adidas shoes that no one else has. And so went to Home Depot, grabbed the spray paint colors that I wanted my shoes to to have. And so I went home that night, went to the garage, taped them off, got them looking good, spray painted them, and was real excited the next morning as I was preparing to go to school And I remember we woke up really early, put the shoes on, was ready to go. But as soon as I started taking my first few steps, I noticed that the spray spray paint started to chip off of my shoe. It was crazy. And so early on, I thought, okay, I'm not going to do a lot of walking today. going to limit the amount of travel that I do on my feet. 
And even though I didn't travel as much or I wasn't walking around as much because I was trying to preserve the quality of these shoes, what happened is that by the end of the day, most of the chip, most of the spray paint had, had chipped off of my shoes. And it was left looking like this miserable failure of a DIY project. I never wore the shoes again. But what's really interesting is that I think that sometimes our lives looked like my shoes at the end of the day. Like we go through some hard stuff in life. We go through some challenging seasons. We go through times where we're questioning who we are and what our purpose is. And somewhere along the way, little by little, who we are gets chipped off. And so today, because I think maybe this has happened to many of us over the course of the last few weeks, today I want to talk about how we can reclaim some of what we have lost along the way. And if we want to live our lives well, how to specifically reclaim the things that we cannot give up. And so today we're going to be talking about how to reclaim our vision. And this is my working definition of what vision is. Vision is a clear picture of your preferred future reality. And it's really important for us to have a clear vision. Even Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says that where there is no vision, the people will cast off restraint. Why? Because vision is the thing in our life that helps to guide us and to direct us. And in a sense, what vision does is it begins to shape our current behavior to make sure that it aligns with our envisioned future reality. And whenever we talk about vision, I'm not talking necessarily about us having like this global vision for how our life is going to impact the world and change our generation, but I'm just talking about this simple, faithful, hopeful, and satisfying vision that I think every single one of us ought to have for our life. And I think some of us have had a vision, but it's possible that some of us have lost that vision. Maybe over the last few weeks you feel like you've been distracted or some of us have felt discouraged or even depressed. And all of those things over time can cause us to lose sight of our vision. And I actually think that for some of us, it may be a good thing. Like I hope that there are some of us who had a vision of our future, thinking that somehow money or our career or certain relationships were going to satisfy our souls. I hope that some of us over the last few weeks, if that was your vision, you have lost that vision for your life. Because to be quite honest, I think that is too small of a vision. But then there are others of us who maybe we had a vision for our life and God was at the center of it. But for whatever reason, over the course of the last few months or the last few years, we have begun to drift away from this God-centered vision of our life. We've slowly become out of touch with our faith. And so today we want to talk about how do we reclaim that type of vision for ourselves. And so to do that, we're going to be in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is also known as the Hebrew Bible. And it's the first part of the Bible that actually takes up about three-fourths of Scripture. And the Old Testament is the story of the origin of humanity and how God used a group of faithful people to bring hope to the rest of the world. And so today we're going to look at the true story of an ancient king named Uzziah. And this story, I hope, is going to help us reclaim our vision for our life. 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 3-5 through 5 says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah, and she was from Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. 
He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Now, it's interesting when we begin to learn about the life of Uzziah, it seems like very early on in his life, he was being positioned for greatness. It says that he became king at 16 years old, which was one of the youngest kings to ever reign in all of Judah. He also reigned for 52 years, which was one of the longest reigns out of any king in uh, the history of the people of Israel. But not only did he start young and reign for a long period of time, he was an amazing leader. He was, in a, he, he was a brilliant military leader. He expanded the kingdom. He rebuilt cities. He defeated neighboring nations. He built up the economy. He was an innovative city planner. He was bringing new technology to the battlefield. He even assembled a greater army than King David. Now, one of the things that kings in the ancient world were often measured by, their success anyways, was how big of an army they could produce. And at the height of King David, King David's reign, he had somewhere around 288,000 soldiers. But we also know that King Uzziah had over 300,000 soldiers. Nearly every sphere of his leadership was deemed a success, and he was on track to becoming the greatest king in the history of Israel. And this is sort of how people remembered him. Second Chronicles 26, verse 15, tells the story. It says, His fame spread far and wide, for the Lord gave him marvelous help, and he became very powerful. I think what was so beautiful about Uzziah's story wasn't necessarily his accomplishments, but it was his faithfulness. Yes, he was this great leader, but we also know that he was a great follower of God. You may not know this, but in the history of the ancient kings, there were 38 kings. But the Bible tells us that there were 33 of those 38 kings who ruled ruthlessly, viciously, maliciously, and were considered evil kings. And there were only five that at the end of their leadership were deemed good kings. And so for the majority of Uzziah's leadership, he pushed back against an evil culture. He, over and over again, as it describes the early years of his leadership, it said that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He sought God, and God helped him because of his faithfulness. And I think that if I was part of the community in Israel that was living during the time of his leadership, it would have been this beautiful moment where we saw a leader rising up who was not only competent at his skill set, but was also morally competent. He was a godly leader. And in everything that he was leading through, he was accomplishing it with faithfulness. A little while back, a guy named Patrick Lencioni, who was a leadership guru, wrote a book that talked about why most people step into leadership. And the conclusion of that book was that most leaders step into leadership positions for all the wrong reasons. But for Uzziah, for the majority of his leadership, he did it with the right intentions. He had the right motivation. He wanted to make a positive difference. He wanted to be faithful in this role. But the sad part about Uzziah's story is that somewhere along the way, he lost sight of the vision. Because a king in the ancient world was really in charge of helping people to follow the law. And I know that maybe that sounds like a harsh term or a rigid term or a little bit of a sharp turn, term, but the law really comes from the word Torah, and Torah was uh, a portion of the Bible that described the law. 
But the word Torah in the Hebrew literally means guide. And so the law, the purpose of the law was to help guide people in their worship of God and how to do that most efficiently and effectively as a community. And so, so Uzziah was this amazing leader at first. He, he guided people well, and God's law wasn't a burden. It was a blessing to him. But somewhere along the way, he eventually lost vision for the law. And instead of fulfilling the law, he began breaking the law. And he became this really corrupt leader. One day, he went into the temple and he burned incense. And I know that maybe that doesn't sound like a big deal to us. So what? He took an Eden pen. All right, we all have a pen in our purse somewhere around the house. Right? No big deal. That didn't seem like a big deal. But what was the problem about what he was doing is that on the back end of burning incense, he was confronted by the priest. And in fact, they told him, they said, Uzziah, you are overstepping your authority in the way that God has shaped our land. What you're doing is wrong. And he began, he got so angry with the pushback that he received from the priest that he, it says that he was infuriated at them. And in a sense, the power of what Uzziah was doing, it would be like if we had some government official if the president stepped into uh, our church or maybe the governor or some city official stepped into this spot, they pushed us out of the side, they grabbed the Bible from my hand and they said, we're going to teach what we want to teach about who God is, right? Some of us would feel like, hey, the government is overstepping their bounds. Well, in a sense, that's what Uzziah was doing. He had no authority in this area of jurisdiction and yet he was overstepping his bound because what he thought he came to the point where he thought he was so powerful that the rules didn't apply. 2 Chronicles 26, 16 says that when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the incense altar. Uzziah completely disregarded the law that he was meant to uphold. And in this moment of rage and anger, in Uzziah's life and in his leadership, it says that he was struck with leprosy. And leprosy was this disease in the ancient world that began to attack your nervous system. At first, it would start to discolor the skin on your body. And then you would begin to lose sensation on that body part. And eventually, you would lose all feeling in certain limbs of your body. And it would lead to amputation. And so it was this horribly debilitating sickness that a lot of people contracted in the ancient world. But it also had some social ramifications. If you had leprosy, you became a social outcast. And Scripture tells us that Uzziah lived with leprosy for the rest of his life. He was isolated from everything and from everyone. And he went from being the most powerful person in that entire nation to becoming the most pitied person in the nation. And I think what makes this one of the saddest stories in all of the Bible is not because he lost his vision for a moment, it was because he lost his vision for a lifetime. The fact that the author of the book of Chronicles noted that he remained in his leprosy was also a suggestion that he remained in his pride, that he was unwilling to reclaim the vision for his life by turning back to God. And what we know is true about some of the Old Testament literature is oftentimes the description of someone's outward struggle and outward appearance was oftentimes an indication of what they were going inwardly in their heart, what, they were, what, what the condition of their heart was. Back in the day, you guys probably remember 
that we used to be able to go to a gym, right? You guys remember that thing called a gym where people would be together in person, sometimes closer than six feet apart without wearing masks back in the day? Well, back in the day, I used to go to the gym. And there were times when I was going to the gym on days that I really didn't want to work out, and I'd go and I'd grab a few weights and I'd work as hard as I can. I'd, I'd pump the iron, as they say, as the kids say. I don't know if kids say that. But I would, I would go and work out. But there would be a point in nearly every single workout where I would, I would grab the weights, and in my mind, I would think it requires too much energy for me to keep lifting the weight, right? And, and at the beginning of the workout, I went in with a clear vision of what I wanted to accomplish going to the gym. It was all for this greater purpose. But somewhere along the way, it required more energy than I was willing to give to the vision. And I think that that's what happened for Uzziah. That somewhere along the way, he lost the vision of remaining faithful to God. That he had become so powerful, he had become so, more, so influential, that he had forgotten God was the source of all of his success. And I think that what happened to Uzziah and what happens to me at the gym sometimes probably happens to all of us at some level or another. That like somewhere along the way, we have like this vision for our lives that is inspiring, that encourages us, that guides the way that we behave in our life because we know that we're, we're here in life and we know that we're on a path towards something greater, something more significant, something that is satisfying. But somewhere along the way, we begin to lose sight of that vision and what it costs to keep working and walking toward that vision becomes more than we are willing to give. And I wonder what that has been for you. What in your life has taken away God's vision for you? Maybe it's been discouragement because of the uncertainty of our lives right now. Maybe some of us have just become so distracted, right? Like to face reality is too hard, so we're going to distract ourselves. And we start watching a bunch of TV shows and we consume social media all the time where we just go back and, our, back and forth on our phones to our email to the news and, and we're just distracted and we're losing sight of the purpose that we have in our life. Some of us are just depressed. Like so many negative things have happened over the course of the last few months in our life that we have these internal battles that, is, that are becoming so hard to manage inside of us. Others of us are just feeling distant from God. Because everything that was in our life that helped to support our faith has gotten out of rhythm. And so now we're working all the time and, and church is just online and we feel like we're not disconnected and, and we don't really want to go to group because we're tired of being on Zoom all day. And so the things that had supported our faith in the past are slowly starting to diminish in the value of our, our current set of circumstance. For some of us, it has nothing to do with what we're going through in this season in our culture. We have been struggling with our faith for years because of events in the past that have hurt us or damaged us and we couldn't seem to regain our footing in faith. Other, others of us are literally just frustrated with people. Some of us are frustrated with ourselves. Some of us are frustrated with God. Our relationships are struggling. We're not going back to school. We're not seeing our friends. College is going to look different. The followers on Instagram aren't showing up like they used to. 
And at some point, all of us in life hit that point where the amount of energy it takes to continue to make progress toward the vision in our life just doesn't seem like it's worth it anymore. And in that moment, the most pressing question is how do we get back what we have lost? How do we reclaim the vision for our life that we cannot lose? I think that if we're going to reclaim our vision for our life, we have to be honest about where we're at today. I think all of us at some point in our life have lost sight of who we are for different reasons and in different seasons. We've all gone off track. That is true of every single one of our stories. But the way that we get back to the vision that compelled us in the past is to be honest about our current set of circumstance, to be honest about our current condition. And if a lot of us are being honest today, we would have to admit that I am distant from God. That things in my life today are not going the way that I thought they were going to go. They're not good. The way that I'm trying to run and operate my life just is not working out. It doesn't actually say this in the text. But I know that there were moments in Uzziah's life before he stormed into the temple that day that he could sense and feel that things were off in his heart. Like he can sense it. He could feel that he didn't have the right attitude. And he could have addressed it then when it was just this small little seed of frustration or a fall, small little seed of pride in his heart and it would have been so easy to dig out when he sensed it the first time, but he didn't. He ignored it. He suppressed it. He allowed for his pride to take root in his heart. I know that some of you have probably tried to garden in the past. Maybe that's been something you've picked up since we've sheltered in place. I don't know. But if you've ever tried to garden or plant a flower, one thing that you may know is that what you see is not always an indication of the growth that is happening. Sometimes you may finally see a flower begin to bud outside of the soil or pierce through the soil weeks after you started planting that seed and watering that seed. And what you know is that just because you see it growing now, weeks after you planted it, doesn't mean that's the only time it's been growing. Because what you know is that underground, that flower has been rooting itself into the soil. It has been growing for weeks. And that is what happens with our sin. That sin will always fester underneath the surface for a season before it ever exposes itself. And that's why most people don't wake up one morning and think, I'm going to cheat on my spouse. It's been festering for a season. Most people never think, I'm going to have a lifetime of an addiction to pornography. It's festered for a season. Most people never decide when they wake up in the morning on a random thought, I'm going to cheat my company out of thousands of dollars. It festers for a season. Some of us have gossiped about friends and we probably didn't wake up that morning thinking I'm going to start talking bad and destroying the character of someone that I once cared about. It has festered for a season. And I think that right now, given the unique circumstances that we are all living in, there are things that may be festering in your heart. There are things that are festering in your life that you have got to call out before it causes damage that cannot be repaired. Damage that may not be repaired in your marriage or in certain relationships or in your career or in your own life. 
if we want to reclaim our vision, we have to begin by being honest about where we are today. And the second thing, once we can identify where we are, if we're going to reclaim our vision, we've got to get back to God. I really don't know any other way to say this or to describe it, but there is no way to build a satisfying, meaningful, enduring vision for your life that does not involve God being at the center of it. And I know that some of us have tried. I have tried. We have tried to use money as a way to build a vision for our life. We have tried to use our career or achievements or accolades or relationships to build a vision for our life. And what we have learned is that on the back end, it has left us a lot less satisfied than we thought. It has left many of us empty and broken. And I think that Uzziah thought his power and his fame and his success were enough to build his life on. And actually, that was the difference between Uzziah and King David, who we know was the greatest king in all of history. It wasn't because King David was perfect. He was flawed. But what was different about King David is that David was a person after God's own heart. And every time he ran into trouble, he went back to God. Look at what David says in Psalm chapter 42 as he describes his heart for God. He says, as a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. David had lost vision at certain seasons in his life. But he kept finding his way back to God. If you want to build your life that can withstand the storm, it has to be anchored to God. If you've ever been in the Pacific Ocean, we're here in San Jose, not too far from Santa Cruz. So my family spends a lot of time at the beach. And what you will notice is if you ever go into the beach, when you go into the beach and into the water, you notice that the water has a current. That means that there is like a flow to the water. And what happens is if you spend a lot of time in the water, the current will subtly and slowly and unassumingly begin to take you to a place that you never intended to go. And we live in a world where the current of our culture, the current of our heart, the current of our desires are slowly drifting us away from God without us even knowing it. For some of us, the current is telling us that if we're going to be happy, we've got a big house, we've got to have a big house. Some of us, it, we're, the current of our culture and the current of our heart is telling us that if we don't become Instagram famous by the time we're 15, we have already missed the boat. We, our current culture is telling us that if we don't have a certain amount of followers by this time in our life, then we have failed and the problem with that type of thinking is that it really becomes a limit to what God wants to do in our life. And it may actually cause us to make bad decisions because we're so focused on the short term and we don't have the long term game in our minds. And instead of anchoring ourselves and our hope and our purpose and our vision to God, we anchor it to these superficial things that will never have the ability to satisfy the deepest longings in our hearts. Some of you, if you're over the age of 30 and you've been in the church world for any amount of time, you probably recognize the name Billy Graham. Billy Graham was the most famous evangelist the world has ever known. 
And even though you know Billy Graham, you may not know the name Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton was actually the Billy Graham before Billy Graham. In fact, many people thought that Charles Templeton was a far better communicator than Billy Graham. He was bringing in bigger crowds than Billy Graham. And in and, and many respects, people assumed that Charles Templeton was going to be the greatest evangelist in the history of the world. But somewhere along the way, in all of the fame, in all of the accolades, Charles Templeton lost vision for his life, and he began to drift away from God. So where, at the height of his career, he took a step back from his ministry, and by the end of his life, he had claimed that he was an agnostic. A few years before Charles Templeton died, he was being interviewed by a journalist named Lee Strobel, and at the end of the interview, Lee Strobel asked Charles Templeton a question. He said, what do you think about Jesus? And he took a long pause and he began to describe many components of Jesus' life and his influence. And a few of the things he said was that Jesus was, in fact, the most important person in his own life. He said, everything good that I have learned about life and humanity, he learned from Jesus. In fact, he said, I think that Jesus is the most important person that ever lived on this earth. And slowly his voice began to crack and he sort of, whispered these last words, he says, and actually I miss him. After he sort of squeezed out those last bit of words, Lee Strobel describes the rest of the interview and he says that Charles Templeton sort of cast his vision down and his shoulders started bobbing as he started weeping at the thought of how far he had come from where he was, of how far he was from that moment where he had that clear vision of God's calling on his life. I know that there may be many of us who have drifted away from God. In fact, I think that if Uzziah was asked the same question at the end of his life about God, he would have said the same thing. Because Uzziah realized the vision for his life whenever he allowed for God's word to guide his life. And it had nothing to do with his accomplishments and everything to do with his faithfulness. And I think that if we ever hope to reclaim a vision for our life, a God-centered vision, it will only happen when we are ready and willing to allow for God's Word to guide our life, to guide our steps. I think whenever we have the clearest vision of our life, it is because we are leaning in to the words of God. We realize that God's Word has become the most important guides, the most important path to our direction. Psalm chapter 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. When I was coming up and I was just a teenager and I was still framing and trying to understand spirituality and how to live a life that honored God and and I struggled all throughout high school, I really, really had some negative influences in my life. I had a a really negative heart of my own and influenced other people in in bad ways. And I remember one time, one of my mentors came to me and he he said, Daniel, the Bible will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. And I remember how those words just like landed with my heart. And I realized that that truth may not apply to every circumstance 
But over the course of my life, as I reflect on the seasons where I felt like I was in fellowship with God and closest to God and walking with God and sensing His presence all around me, the consistent theme of those seasons in my life is that God's Word was near to me. It was shaping my heart. But conversely, the moments in my life where I was far from God, where I felt so distant from Him, where I couldn't ever sense His presence, when I started stepping in to sin in my life, when I stepped into stuff that I never wanted to be part of my rhythm, what was the consistent theme of that part of my life was that I was so far from God's promises. I was so far from His words that I felt like I was wandering in the wilderness. And I know today that some of you are feeling as though you are wandering in the wilderness. That you're just carrying the weight of the world. It has been months since you felt like you've had any fellowship with God at all. And there is this distance between you and Him. Today we want to begin helping those of us who feel like that is our story to begin taking steps back to God. And so if that's where you're at today, I want to challenge you in two ways this week to help to reclaim your vision for your life by taking steps back to God. The first is that I want to encourage you at some point this week to take 30 minutes of your day and to sit in silence. I want you to grab a journal and grab a pen and I want you to pen the words, God, what do you have for my life? God, what do you have for my life? And I don't want you to do any thinking. I want you to literally just sit there and wait to hear from God. Now, I know that this may seem strange to some of you if you've never practiced the practice of silence and solitude. But I promise you, if you can force yourself to sit in silence for 30 minutes, you are going to learn something. Now, maybe you don't hear from God, but you're going to learn something about what is going on in your heart you'll start to notice that things are bubbling up in the silence and you'll begin to reflect on what those things are. But I think that if, if we can fight through the distraction, then we'll hear from God. And I want to encourage you to just try that this week. 30 minutes of silence with God in a journal and a pen. And let's see what you hear. The second thing that I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to begin a five-day reading plan that we're going to do as a church. We have never done this before. We've never tried to be on a reading plan before, but I felt compelled in light of the fact that so many of us may be feeling distant from each other, disconnected from God. I thought, wouldn't it be this wonderful moment if as a church we could engage in Scripture together and we can, we can commune and talk about what we're learning and what our experience is. And so uh, we're going to drop that in the chat section or perhaps even put it on the screen, but there will be a link that you can go to our website and we're going to give you all the details of how you can engage on this five-day reading plan with all of us as a church. We're going to be able to share our thoughts with each other and I think it's going to be this really wonderful moment. We're going to start on Monday, but I want you to use this as an opportunity to help begin building back that vision for your life as we get back more of God into our rhythm. Now, I know that there are some of you today that have come into the conversation and you are thinking that the only vision you have ever had for your life is this vision to get more and to do more and to achieve more. But you've never had a vision that was anchored in God. I know that it may seem like an odd or strange thing to fully comprehend, 
But really all that means is that you want to step into a relationship where you surrender your life to God. Maybe you've come to the conclusion over the last few weeks that no matter how hard you try, no matter how much money you gain or how much you do, you go to bed asking the same question, wondering if there is more to life than this. If that is you today, I'm so glad that you stepped into the conversation and I want to let you know that there is. That those of us who have stepped into a relationship with God oftentimes have come into that relationship because we have come to that same realization ourselves that no matter how hard we work or how much we have, it will never satisfy the deepest longings of our heart, the biggest questions that we're asking about our faith. And what we have found is that the thing that we were missing was a relationship with God who wants nothing from us and wants everything for us. And this morning, I want to invite you to step into faith for the first time. That if this morning you're asking those questions and you're feeling this spiritual nudge in your heart to take this step, I want to encourage you in just a moment to repeat after me a very simple prayer. And there's nothing special about the words that we pray. It, all, it is all about the condition of your heart, your longing, your desire to be connected to God. And so if that's you this morning your first step toward reclaiming a God-centered vision and getting God in your life is by placing your trust in Him and the promise that He loved you enough to send His Son to die on the cross for all of the mistakes and all of the evil that we have done in our life so that we can be reconnected to God. If you want to pray that prayer this morning, I want to encourage you wherever you are to close your eyes and to bow your heads and to join me in this prayer to repeat after me in your heart. Dear God, I want to thank you for loving me even when I didn't love you. I want to thank you for sending your son to die for me, to sacrifice his life so that I didn't have to live under the weight of sin that has defined my life so far. But I, that I can experience freedom from the bondage, freedom from the pain so that I can live my life knowing I have hope for the future. Today I want to receive the gift of salvation in your Son, Jesus Christ. I want to surrender my life to you. And I want to begin following you from this day forward. God, help me to be faithful in this next season. I pray all this in Jesus' name, I believe.